All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Quarterback, 
guess what? I wasn't going to have much time to throw that ball because my, my linemen were just going to go, all right, go ahead. They weren't going to do their job. But it's because of internal issues that a team falls apart. Uh, and, and that's why the apostles here, they don't just let it continue. They, they immediately get into it. But we'll get ahead of myself. But of the seven that are chosen that we read, how many did you know? Stephen, we all know he's the first martyr. And we know Philip, not the apostle, but Philip here becomes the first missionary. But the rest of them, not only can you not pronounce that, that's all we know about. John Philip said, much of the work of God is carried on by unknown, unsung individuals who faithfully carry out the task entrusted to them. Quite, con quite content to leave the limelight to others. You see, like today, you come in, you sit down, and get fed. There's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes that nobody's really, unless you're a part of that, Sunday school teacher, the, the nursery worker, doing the sound, pastor getting ready for the message, doing song leading, practicing piano, uh, acting on Wednesday night, practicing guitar. So there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes to make this just work. But the only people that you see is the person standing up here. You see the pastor giving this message. You see Brian preaching. You don't really think about the hours that Miss Becca or Miss Sarah put in practicing. You don't, you don't see that side, but that is very important. If, if I came up here and it was my turn to play the piano, and I sat down, by the way, I have no idea how to sit. I don't even know how to read the music. Can I hum? Maybe I'll hum loud. Maybe I'll, I'll hum the piano. No, it's not going to be useful for me just to sit here. So the fact that these members of the team have to have a lot of things done to make a difference, for things to go and work smoothly. So let's let's pray, and we're going to get into this why teamwork makes a difference. Derek and Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I, I thank you for the sun and the weather that you've given us today. I pray that you give us a good Sunday. I do I pray that you be with the uh, voting that's going on over at the other church, that your, your will be done. Uh, and we're not anxious, we're not worried about it, because it's in your hand, it's in your control. Uh, we just uh, pray for your uh, wisdom and your uh, time and your uh, patience. Lord, as we go through dealing with that. But uh, this morning, I pray that we focus our hearts on what your word says and what you have for each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you for everything you do. I pray that above all else, that your name be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing is teamwork produces three different things. So three. Three things. And the first one is, is a decisive remedy. Verse 1 of 6 tells us that about the need. There arose, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. You have two different groups, essentially. You have the Hebrew Jews, you have the Grecian Christians. Uh, and, and basically, 
before this, those two groups didn't get along in the first place. You didn't see the Jews really, hey, let's have the Gentiles come over and have lunch. No, they were very separated. And, and we see uh, uh, the issues start to happen where this is starting to creep in. But what's interesting, we're never really told whether this was a legitimate issue. Was it something that one person said, my mom was not taken care of, or it wouldn't be your mom, but the widow. One widow wasn't being taken care of. The Bible never even talks about who was at fault. It never talks about uh, any of the actual issue itself. There's no debate on who, who should be at fault, who should be the uh, one that placed the blame. The apostles didn't even deal with that. They didn't deal with the, the murmuring. They looked at it and said, here's the problem. We're not going to worry about the murmuring. We're going to worry about the problem and solve the problem. Numbers 11.1 1 says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. You see, murmuring and the different words for murmuring appears 40 times in the Bible. Guess how many times not. Never is the word complaining or murmuring in the Bible mentioned, and God was like, look. Never. In fact, Moses in Exodus tells the Jews after they've just been delivered from Egypt, the Lord heareth your murmuring, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmurings and disputing. This, the, the issue was that the apostles saw the murmuring and the complaining, and what, what makes the split? Is it the real issue? No. Half the time, it's like, I, I, I've heard of churches that they have a split because they didn't like the color of the chair. Was it really because of the color of the chair, and that's why everybody, forget whatever the preaching is, forget all of everything, I just don't like blue. It turns into this group gets the bickering and arguing, and all of a sudden the chair, why are we fighting, has nothing to do with why we're fighting. Uh, just like the, the McCoys. Most of them have no idea what the original issue was. They just hate each other. Just because. That's what creates the issue and the divide in the team. Is only as weak as its weakest link. A chain, and, and you, know, you have all those motivational forces, chain, you know, they always have a word. And for whatever reason, chains work really well in, in a uh, analogy of a team. If you have a chain that has a weak link and it just sits there, you don't know that. No, you, you don't. Test the chain until you put it under stress. Same thing with churches. Same thing with in this situation. Everything seems to be going fine until we have a problem. And then all of a sudden, now we start seeing, now we're testing the strength of this chain. Now we're going to see how well this team works together. And the first thing they do is right away is they start off, we got to get this fixed. we got, we got to get the problem nipped in the butt so that way it's done. So we can continue to complain about the issue. We 
got to get this finished. And the thing we see is the responsibility. When problems arise, and they always do, do you say, well, man, look how dirty this is. Somebody should clean this up. It's not my responsibility. I'm not going to clean these people. They didn't look at it that way. There's a problem. I'm just going to go fix it. I'm just going to go take care of the issue. And that's how the church should be to ourselves, in and amongst each other. We should be able to take care of the building, each other, without having to go, yeah, that's not, go, go, to, go to Brother Bill, ask him. Or go to the pastor, ask him. If he tells me to do it, then I'll have to do it. Oh, there, there's two significant lessons we see here. As long as human beings are together, we're going to have problems. But on the flip side, as long as there are spirit-filled, humble church leaders and members that are willing to do work, there's always going to be a solution. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if thou being thy gift to the altar, and there remembers that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first to be, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Jesus is talking about you've got an issue and you're coming before God to, to do your sacrifice and you still have that problem that you haven't forgiven or asked for forgiveness. Stop this because this isn't going to do you any good. Go get that taken care of and then come. Same thing is with teamwork and dealing with if you want to be a good door knocker, but you have something against the person either you're going with or somebody else in the church, you better stop what you're doing and go take care of that problem because your ministry of door knocking or leading the choir or or singing or doing anything in the nursery or doing anything is going to be hindered by that rupture, that, that rift you have with somebody in the church. And the Bible says take care of that first. You've got this chain can't have pairs between itself if it's going to go out into the world and try to give the gospel. If you go knocking on the door and you're bickering with the person you're knocking on the door with, and all of a sudden they open the door, as soon as you start yelling, they're like, oh, hi! Almost like when mom was yelling at you growing up, and then all of a sudden the phone rang and she, yeah, yeah. hello. <laughs> it, it was like a total, hang on, mom, can you, don't hang up the phone. Stay that way. <laughs> But then as soon as she hung up, it was right back to you. <laughs> but the world, they see that. I mean, people see that. They, they, you laugh about it, but you know it. When someone comes up and they've just been yelling at their kid and they're like, Hi, how are you doing? How much really do you have? Like, if you're listening to the person, you're like, what's in your brain? What they're talking about? Or... Right, that kid through the mud. That's what you're thinking about. The same thing when you're you're trying to do your ministry. If you've got this chip on your shoulder, that's going to show up. And the point of your ministry of door knocking or sharing the gospel could be hindered because of what's the point? What I mean, really, in, in our and I've said this before, our little skirmishes, and it always seems like. Where's the most problem? Inside. 
it's not it's not always with outside issues or outside influence or problems with the world or anything. It's he didn't say thank you. Really? Or he didn't acknowledge that I did a good job. Grant's English is everything, is that really that big of a deal? If you manage employees at work and you have things where your your employees are getting upset with each other because you didn't say good job. And in the grand scheme of things, you just as a manager just be like, really grow up. And I, I feel like a lot of times that's we, we bicker and fight amongst ourselves for really dumb things. And these these apostles said, we're not gonna have that. We're gonna fix this right now. And the responsibility is it's our responsibility. We have to fix this. The priority though. Verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Wow, you read that real quick. You read through the passage, you're like, all right, Pastor just doesn't want to deal with it. The apostle's like, yeah, that's something you pass. You go, you know, help the widows. And you read through that, and you're like, wow, okay. Sorry, sorry to bother you, Mr. Apostle. I have a problem. No, they're, they're not. Trying to say this is beneath us, they're saying we, we've got a great responsibility to bathe ourselves in the word, to, to study, to be able to preach and give you something from the word of God. And if I'm trying to do that and sweep the, the, uh, the, the church, unclog the toilet over here, I gotta go, I gotta go help jumpstart somebody's car. They wouldn't have time to read their work. They wouldn't have time to prepare for their actual job in that chain. Pastor's job is not to unclog the toilets. Willie? Yeah. And as a new church, he wears a lot of hats. We all wear a lot of hats. But the primary role of, at this point, the apostles or the pastor is to have this knowledge and, and be in this so much that when you've got a problem, you can come to him and he can give you an answer out of the word of God. Instead of, of somebody that cleans the toilet and says, hey, pastor, I'm really having a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah I'll, I'll get to you. I gotta, I gotta get this back in you know, how, how long would you stay at the church when the pastor doesn't have time for his own plot? That's what they're talking about. That they're not minimizing saying, yeah, we don't really care about that. They're saying that's important. So we need to find people to take care of that issue. Delegation. Always a really good thing to do when you're having to do the delegation, right? Not when you're the person that feels, you go do this. <laughs> but delegating is very important because you can't do it all. And if you try to do it all, what do they say? The, the jack of all trades, master of. Uh, I'm sorry, I want my master to be a master of one thing. That's this. He might be a jack of all trades, but I want to make sure he's a master of at least one of them. And that's the word of God that I want him to be a master in. That's what they're talking about. So, so if you read through it, don't just be like, pastor. They say, 
come up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Saturday. The rest of the week, they just you don't understand waking up at 8 o'clock. Well, pastors have a lot of responsibility in their own role. And that's why it was so important for these disciples and these apostles to prioritize. I've got to stick with what my job is. But let's fix this by verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually in prayer into the ministry of the word. Uh, no. Verse 3, wherefore, brethren, look out ye, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. They were quick to say, hey, let's fix this. We've got to find people to take care of this issue. The practicality of the solution. It, it just makes sense. We got uh, they're, they're dealing with thousands of people in their congregation. Thousands. Not like 15 or they've got 100 or they've got thousands of people that they're having to deal with this. Can you imagine coming up to Pastor if we had 15,000 people coming to church and going to Pastor and being like, hey, by the way, some of them need help. We're, we're, we need help to figure out and fix this whole issue that we're having with our widows. Uh, you, you can understand why the apostle would be like, one person. You see how many people there are? I've got enough stuff to deal with. I've got a lot of responsibility already to do. Let's find people to do that job. And so they picked seven people. So we've divided the responsibility. Uh, in, and we see that you know, in Romans, uh, dealing with one body. And there's the head, there's hands, there's feet, there's different members of that body, and they all do different jobs, but they're all part of the same body. That's that's what dividing this responsibility had to deal with. But look there in verse 3. It wasn't like they were just picking out any person. They weren't just, well, I just, yeah, yeah you, uh, you, 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 seven, there's seven, let's go. All right, everybody, go, go do that. There was a, there was a qualification that they had to meet. They had to be Verse 3, look ye out among you, seven men of first things of an honest report. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 7, moreover, talking about the office for the pastor, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and snare of the devil. Demetrius, how many people know Demetrius? Third John 12. Demetrius had a good report of all. When you go and ask somebody to come help you, do you want to guys get the guy that can barely get out of bed? Or if you say, hey, can you come over to my house on Friday and you keep the guy that never shows up? Are you going to go to him? No. You want somebody of a good report. You want somebody of that is going to be sincere in their work that you give them. The second thing there, you see, men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. They've got to have a spiritual one. We talked about being filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 25, talks about the different fruit of the Spirit. 
a spirit a spirit filled man is is one that is not just led but controlled by the word of God. And if you've got a, a, a situation where you need help in a church running the salt ministry, you're not just gonna look for anybody. You know, looks for somebody that's that's going to be maybe not the pastor, but has a lot of the same qualifications as that. Is as walking as close with God and is in their word of God as they can. That's an honest report full of the Holy Ghost. The next thing is uh, honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. We may have point over the business. Wisdom. Proverbs 4, 5 to 7 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Proverbs 9, 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy is they have to be one. You have to find people that are of honest report, that, that are, are trustworthy, that are, are people that are going to do the job. You got to find one that is somebody that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that is walking in the Word. And then the last thing that they said is they have to be They've got to know how to deal with this. Moses, when he when he was Dividing the responsibilities that God gave them for the work. He, in Exodus 28, 3, it says, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate, consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Joshua, in the Bible, Deuteronomy, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. If, if you're dealing with a situation and, and a, a family issue, situation, you want them to be wise. You want them to be able to answer and help. If, if you just go ask somebody that doesn't know whether the seats are blue or green, Oh, he's going to really give me a great answer. What, what's the most, anytime you go to work, what's the most bickering you ever hear about the man? You just don't know what he's doing. He, he has no idea, or he has no idea what we've done. You know, he's managing us workers, but has never put his foot in the work. That's the worst kind of manager. But the best managers are the ones that have done the work, have been dealing with what Everybody else does. Then he gets into a manager's position. He knows what they're going to do. He knows what they're going to go through. And so he's wise upon, hey, by the way, we've got this issue. What, what am I supposed to do? Well, as a manager, I've been in that situation. I can tell you because I have done. That's the best type of managers, those that have done the job. Wisdom is, is probably... Not the most important in that qualification, but it's a very important part. The last thing is results. Obviously, I mean, you've got a problem, you find a solution, results are key. Don't get the 
also was the point. But notice what happened when, when we have their uh, this teamwork fit together. Obviously, the need was met. Uh, after after this verse seven, after we finish with verse seven, and the word of God for verse six, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. The word of God increased, and the number of the disciples faith. We're not talking about widows anymore. It was done. It was met. The, 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 the result was that we fixed the problem. We never hear again about widows not being taken care of. The, the problem was met. The next thing is we see not just that the result was that the problem was met, but more things. More difference was made. Verse 7 And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Here's, here's what I think is the, the, the biggest part of this whole thing. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. We just had Easter. And, and Christ dying on the cross. When he died, what, what was the biggest? In my opinion, the biggest thing that physically happened. You had the earthquake, you had the dead rise, which is pretty big. But there was one thing that was, in my opinion, the, the biggest thing that happened. What happened in the temple? The veil was ripped in twain. Could you imagine being just a normal priest in the temple doing your duties and not the high priest? can't go into the Holy of Holies. You, you see this huge veil. And you're doing your job. All of a sudden, that veil is ripped. And the thing that has kept you safe from dying, because if anybody entered into there when they're not supposed to, what happened? They died. All of a sudden, now it's wide open. But I'm still alive. For those that were there, and the Bible really doesn't give a lot of information, but that would have been huge. As a, as a priest that's working here, and all of a sudden, oh, oh no, uh-oh, I'm getting out of here. If my life's at stake here. This, this thing rips from top to bottom, and I'm still here, and I see the Ark of the Covenant. My life, for hundreds of thousands of years, I have been drilled into my brain that I can't look at this. I can't go into this. Or I'm going to lose my life. All of a sudden, it's over. Um, fine. Those priests, that was huge to them. And as they were looking and watching this early church and how they took care of each other, and how they ministered to those that weren't even a part of the church, and how they continued to spread this gospel. And then when they start having issues inside of each other, they compare them. The priest took notice and said, there's something about that. You go, you go from somebody that's just in the world and lost, given the gospel about Christ dying for them, and they get saved. They're saved. But if you go to somebody and this is quite the extreme, but somebody that worships Satan, you give them the gospel and they get saved. 
Not calling these priests Satanists, but that we're, we're talking about people that were so against Christianity they nailed the man to the cross. They, they crucified Christ. They were so against this that we're stamping this out. And yet they get that's how you make a difference. That's how this word of God makes a difference. And how we live our life to show this out. Not just do I, I read it and put it into my own life, but do I show it in how I live my life, how I live and work with the other brothers and sisters in Christ? How do I treat them? How do I take care of the building? How do I do my job? How do I help others? How do I? That all is seen by that. That's why you have verse 7. The word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. The great company of the priests were obedient. That's how you make a difference. And if they would have just said, yeah, the widows, hopefully some of them. Who knows? We wouldn't. We may not have Acts seven. We may not have the rest of that early church because there might have been a great divide and split, and now we have this faction and that faction. What what gets more done? One huge group working together as a team or a bunch of individuals working by themselves. A group. You have a team. Football, if everybody was in it for themselves and everybody just did whatever they wanted to do, not much point. They're going to fight over the ball. They're, going to, they're not going to play the game. Sure, they did it, it'll be fun to watch. But as a team, when you get that team you know, rolling on all cylinders, and man, they just got momentum. Because they're working as a team. It's a joy. It's fun to watch. It's fun to play. But if it's just like the quarterback, no, there's no communication. And you can see that in all cases to watch any sport. There's no communication, and they're not working together. It's not even enjoyable to watch. It ain't enjoyable to play. Same issue goes with church. If the team, if, if this body of believers is not working together, not enjoyable to watch, you ain't doing anything out in the world to try to get the gospel. You're not productive. That's why teamwork, they, they say teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. But it's true. How the, the dream of seeing the lost saved, to see Henrico County change, to see a revival start, doesn't happen because I'm bickering about Brian and I don't like the way he did his house or whatever. I'm just mad. Well, I see him every time. Still got to work with him. I ain't going to be happy. Now I gotta go door knocking with them. This will be great. Not a lot's gonna happen. Not a lot of going forward 
Christ is going to happen. Not a lot of gospel sharing is going to happen. And if it is happening, it's not going to be done very well. It's not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to don't waste your time. They're really, what's the point? And half the time, like I said, it's silly. Maybe to us, yeah, to our individual self, it's it's a big deal. But really, to the cause of Christ, does it really matter? We need to work as a team. We need to put put the bickering aside, the, the energy, you know, just like just like you have all these people that you know scam people. Really? You know how much energy you put into and all this money into calling all these thousands of people. You would just go to a job legitimate, but you'd be fine. It's like you put a lot of energy into the wrong things. But if you put that same energy into something that's useful and something that's worth putting your energy in, you get locked up. You can do a lot for that. Let's pray and we'll get into the next morning. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for, for your word, for your examples of uh, how, how you were able to build your church. Lord, through the, those early Christians, they, they focused and they they did put all their energy in trying to please you. It wasn't about uh, if if they could look better. It wasn't about them getting their way. It was about pleasing you, trying to win the loss to you. Lord, I pray if we if we get a glimpse of that, I pray that we as a church that would be said about you, Lord, that, that we. We don't worry about what others say. We worry about what you say. Lord, I pray that you be pleased at what goes on through here. Thank you again for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.